You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Oh, so good. He, uh, we were praying for Mark Petro this morning, and he and, uh, and uh, Kylie are up in Ottawa right now. He's still in a hospital, but not in ICU. He was going to join us this morning uh, on a video feed. He's, he's listening, I'm sure, right now. Mark, we are for you, standing with you. And uh, he had a really bad night, uh, and he's uh, out of ICU and in a ward uh, presently, but he's off the intubator. Uh, breathing on his own, walking all ahead of schedule. And uh, he, it's his story to tell, and we were hoping he could tell it this morning. And uh, just about 6 o'clock this morning, I got a text saying that he really, really uh, just needs to sleep. And so uh, we'll let him do that. Well, last week, we looked at Jesus' baptism and uh, a voice from heaven, as we're on Fresh Wind Part 3, a voice from heaven came and announced uh, that Jesus had received all authority. And I explained that to you. It was a really a cultural expression. It wasn't just kind of God giving a shout out to Jesus on the earth. It had significance. It had a cultural understanding that all authority was given like a family business from uh, the Father to the Son. It should remind us of the scripture uh, at what we call the Great Commission or when Jesus sends out his 12 and all of disciples ever since when he says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and then he gives it to us that we might go out and make disciples. And so as we talk about fresh wind, a work of the Holy Spirit, not only for our own lives, but so the Holy Spirit can move through our lives. And often, you know, people will say, um, you know, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, our, so you preach about the Holy Spirit. Are you better than I am as a Christian because you have the Holy Spirit? And my response would be this. No, I'm better than me. <laughs> you understand? I'm better than me. I'm more than I can be by myself with the Holy Spirit on my life. And I can't get it right by myself, but with the Holy Spirit on my life. And so Jesus said, I want you to go make disciples. And we've been talking about that comes with the evidence. That comes with a testimony of the Holy Spirit's work or the wind, the wind blowing. And so the Father's voice came from heaven. And, uh, and Jesus, uh, standing there, we see a picture of the cooperation of the, uh, God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus, and though he's fully God, he emptied himself of the, uh, being able to just individually, whenever he wanted to access his divinity, he didn't. He put that into the hands of the Holy Spirit, and he listened to everything the Holy Spirit did so that he could be at the right place at the right time. We learned about how we can do that. He could access all the wonderful things of God as the Son of God, so can you, and so can I. And we can live refreshed in the river instead of living in a state of being dry. This morning I wanna look at the Old Testament, and I wanna look at a prophecy. Uh, there was a prophet, the book is named after him, Zechariah, and uh, he's prophesying to Israel in a time when the temple is being rebuilt. 
And that's significant because as we look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament finds its fulfillment and full understanding in Christ in the New Testament. And Jesus said that uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Together, we are the church. It's not a building. They were rebuilding a building, but God was prophesying really about the New Testament church being uh, Jesus on the earth in his people, uh, the body of Christ or the house of God, uh, the temple, uh, using all this terminology. All right, so just quickly as we understand that, uh, the book of Zechariah is prophesying to a literal time and a literal building, but we understand that it's speaking to us today. So what we see is a candelabra. He's gonna see a vision, and uh, I think there's an image coming up just so uh, you can see it and and, and understand it a little bit more. Um, There we go. Thank you, whoever's on projection for my prompt. I so appreciate that. So what you can see, uh, a normal candelabra, seven uh, Jewish candelabra, each uh, uh, where the flame was, there was a small receptacle that would need to have oil poured into it. There wasn't a, it wasn't a wax and a wick, but a wick with oil. And uh, you would keep adding the oil as the oil burned up and ran out. And what he saw was this candelabra, which would be common to him, this light source, and on top was a giant bowl. And so you would put all of the oil, and then there was pipes leading down to each receptacle. I wonder if he didn't copyright this after, and he's a good Jewish person, so sell that and make a lot of money. I don't know. And, uh, but this is what he saw in his vision. And if that wasn't having this huge bowl that you could just, like, dump maybe barrels of oil into, that uh, large receptacle on the top that was feeding each of the receptacles on the bottom and keeping this flame going, and there would just be this incredible source of oil, the oil was being pumped in directly from two olive trees. And so it's an oil factory, a continuous production of oil being poured in uh, to keep the flame burning, and the flame would never go out. That's the picture that he saw. And he asks God, what does it mean? Other than I'm copywriting this because this is a great idea. And God answered and says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. So he's prophesying in his present tense uh, to the leader uh, at that time, and whose name was Zerubbabel, and he goes, he needs to know as he's building my temple, as he's building my house, as you're uh, uh, doing what I've called you to do, this represents what you need to understand. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What an amazing scripture that we can understand today. Not by might, if you've ever canoed or kayaked against current and wind, and I've done that a couple times, and you're paddling and going nowhere. And as hard as you can paddle, uh, and you have to switch sides so your canoe doesn't flip from one side to another if you're the only person in the canoe, and I've done that before, and just trying to get home, and, and I don't, I don't want to end up three miles down the river. I want to get to where my car is. I don't want to have to carry my canoe there. And, I, and so but it's, I'm, I'm, I got might on this side and power on this side and might on this side, and it's talking about human might and human power. Not by might, as we live our lives uh, submitted and yielded as Jesus did to the Holy Spirit, it's not going to be by might, it's not going to be by power, human ingenuity, ingenuity, but by my spirit, said the Lord. Say spirit. Say it again. 
Thank you if you said it online. I can't hear you, but I know you did. The word spirit here is the word that we've been looking at, now part three for these three weeks, the wind of God the breath of God. It's the same word of in the garden when God breathed life. And, and I've given you all of these instances to help understand that we're talking about the breath, the, the life, the wind. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Zechariah saw a picture of what it would look like in the New Testament, not when God was building brick and mortar house of God, but when he was building his New Testament powerful spirit-filled church house of God, that there would be a constant flow of oil, not by might, not by power, but by my, hey, awesome, thank you, says the Lord. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is living a spirit-filled life, being connected to the source. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about living, having a spirit-filled prayer life. The week after that, Thanksgiving, I'm looking so forward to talking to you about having spirit-filled worship at Harvest. We enjoy that, but we're going we're gonna to take it up some notches as we understand the flow of the Holy Spirit, the pipeline of the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching way better than you're responding this morning. I'm feeling so insecure right now. You got to help me, all right? We're going to talk about Holy Spirit-filled worship. Yeah. And, uh, and then we'll end, end the series talking about how the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. And so we've got a little ways to go. I hope you're enjoying it and you're downloading the notes and being a part of this. So Zachariah saw a picture of what I want to talk about today, living a Spirit-filled uh, um, life connected to the source of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. Rah, 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 rah. We don't just talk about the Bible and talk about God. We want to experience this. It is living by God's power, not by, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. God's power, not our power. What I'm trying to do in this series is kind of just whet your appetite. If uh, these ideas are new to you, uh, you've maybe not experienced the Holy Spirit the way we're talking about, uh, I just kind of want to ease you into this and kind of massage this into you. And if this is kind of something that you're familiar with, I want to turn the flame up because there's more oil than you've got flame. Can I just say that again? There's way more oil than you've got flame. And we just, I know there's more for us. And that's kind of a subtitle today. There is more. There's just more. There's no life like the Spirit-filled life. And so many people uh, come to know Jesus, but don't discover the more. Say more. There is so much more. And you say, can there be more than eternal life, Pastor Roy? Isn't that the greatest and the best thing? Yeah. And I can't wait to be with Jesus when I die. But I want to live for a long time on this earth where I need more. I need the Holy Spirit. I need that pipeline of oil to keep me in the oil so I can be more than me. I can be more than me. <laughs> and you can be more than you. And Jesus demonstrated that to us when he yielded his life to the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at a, a portion of Scripture in Acts. And it's very telling uh, about this kind of two-stage understanding, this experience of salvation, our sins are forgiven, we have eternal life, we know we're going to heaven, but then discovering the more for living our daily lives uh, as, as Christ followers. And so we'll pick it up in Acts uh, 19. 
When Apollos, who's one of the apostles, was at Corinth, which is a city where they'd planted a church, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So Ephesus is a city where a major, uh, and it turns out to be a major church, this church plant becomes thousands of people. There he found some disciples. He found Christ followers. He found people who said uh, at the end of a service, said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And somebody prayed with them or maybe prayed with them in a home group or prayed with them at Tim Hortons, or like my daughter-in-law read uh, Purpose Driven uh, Life, and Brittany, I gave her the book when uh, her and Andrew were dating, and she said, uh, I read the book. It was fantastic. At the end, there was a prayer if you want to accept Jesus, and it said, pray it out loud. She said, I was uh, at university in Carlton, and I was on a bus, and I prayed it out loud, and there were a bunch of people turning around looking at what it was I was doing. But she said, I know. I was born again. I received Jesus into my life. And, uh, and so a disciple Somebody who just realized, I need to stop going my way, and I'm going to go God's way. And he found some disciples. Say disciples. I know we've got a room with so many disciples, Christ followers, today. He found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus, when, when you believed in eternal life? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And sometimes I feel like that as uh, sometimes just different backgrounds and people come to church, maybe no church background or a different church background, and we begin talking about the Holy Spirit. And what I've been doing over these weeks, just clearly that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people will go, I can kind of figure out God the Father, he probably, you know, big throne, can't see his face because that's kind of how it is when I see it in picture, big beard, probably white, perhaps, and uh, Jesus kind of have an idea from the paintings. Who's the Holy Spirit guy? And is he a guy? I mean, what is, is he a ghost? You know, and we talked a little bit about that. And so many people kind of respond when we talk about, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul answered, then what baptism did you receive? He wants to know, and we've talked about the word baptism. Remember, it means to identify with. What did you identify with? What process of this did you identify, put trust and faith in? They said John's baptism, which would have been a water baptism, understanding uh, death, burial, resurrection, uh, forgiveness of sin. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, so they experienced exactly what they did in Acts chapter 2. They experienced exactly what happened to Jesus when he was uh, baptized. The Holy Spirit came on them. Why? Because they yielded. The Holy Spirit isn't just going to jump on you or jump on me, but he will, and that's why, remember, he's not a bird. <laughs> he's not a dove. But there is a meekness and a gentleness about the work of God. And he approaches us very carefully, almost like, do you really want this? Yes, I really want. Jesus yielded. These believers yielded. And Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Or they entered into a realm of spiritual gifting that we'll talk about in a, in a couple weeks to come. So you see this kind of two-part, uh, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Does it matter? Oh, it matters. <laughs> Philip went down to a city in Samaria. So here's another church leader. 
Uh, he's in this town called Samaria, and he begins to just share the gospel, starts to gather some people. They're going to plant a church. But when uh, they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God, the name of the Lord Jesus, they were baptized, both men, men and women. And so they identified with water baptism, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, eternal life, I'm born again, the Spirit of God lives in me, this is awesome. Let's keep going, though. The apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. You know, we, got, we have another church planted. We have another a group of people that have been gathered. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. So it's kind of like the main hub church uh, hears about this. They're excited. It's spreading faster than they can kind of keep track of it. They get word. There's another group of disciples. Great. We're going to go and strengthen them. And so that's what we call apostolic work. These were apostles, and so they're going to do some apostolic work of building and, and uh, you know, strengthening this church. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now a lot of people say, well, why the two-stage thing going on here? Why didn't God just make it all happen all at once? I don't know. I'm not God. You can ask him when you go to heaven. But what I think is that God kind of said salvation, people are gonna so try to earn salvation, people are gonna so try to work to get salvation, but we know the scriptures are clear, it's not by works, it's not if we're a good person, and if you're good enough, you get to go to heaven, I'll never be good enough, you'll never be good enough, and you can work your whole life and still wonder, am I good enough? But Jesus was good enough, and he took my place. He took your place. That's the good news of the gospel. And so it's so incredible, and we believe on that. And so God, I think, was saying, don't mess with that. <laughs> and then when we understand grace and the free gift, God's saying, okay, so now the, whole, you, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to be more than who you are. Just conjecture. I don't know, but that's just my thought. Paul was talking to this church in Ephesians, and he said, don't grieve God. Don't make him sad. Don't cause him to, God to kind of, God has emotions, by the way. That's where we got our emotions. God is a God who we're, we're made like him. He, in, in the scriptures, you know, God expresses how he feels. And it would sadden God if we, if we were to grieve him. Don't break his heart. How would we do that? By rejecting this great gift of the Holy Spirit, it says his Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. It's not a take it or leave it. And so many Christians, and maybe someone here today, it's kind of a take it or leave it. You know, that's okay for somebody else. We were singing, uh, you are welcome in this place, Holy Spirit. And maybe somebody was singing, yeah, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. In his place, just don't come in this place. You can help my wife out. She really needs you. But I'm okay. I'm good. And really, we're not. And God says, don't take this gift for granted. In other words, don't leave it under the tree and never open it. Never discover it. Never experience it. 
my granddaughter, six in our line of grandchildren, uh, celebrated her, um, Kaylee celebrated her first birthday yesterday. And uh, though she wasn't fully aware of the, she was really overwhelmed with the gifts, you know, how people do that. And, and, uh, and really, we're all competing to have the best gift for the one-year-old who never understood and we'll never know who came from. But it's important, right? You guys are a hard group today. You've all spent a little too much money for a first birthday for a family member because you wanted to have that gift. No, see, now, I better move on. I'm going to move on. There you go. Thank you. So someone had given her, actually, I think it was uh, our, our, one of our daughter-in-laws, gave her uh, a little doll. And uh, she's, uh, we have Stevensons that are French-Canadians. My clan is Stevensons, unfortunately not. But uh, Kaylee's being raised in a French environment. And uh, so they kept saying, you know, you know, talking about the baby in French and uh, kiss the bibo back. And, uh, and she just starts smooching this little doll and that's all she did for the, like, she was experiencing and loving this little doll. And they had a little stroller and put the doll in the stroller. She was experiencing her gift. And it's a, it would be sad, you know, like, we gave her a gift. And, and even though she's only one, you feel kind of bad, like, did she like it, you know? And God the Father has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit, his person in the Holy Spirit. Don't take such a gift for granted. Then what are we to do? Ephesians went on and said, uh, his letter to the Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get Zacharias' picture going in your life because your flame will never burn out the the oil that God has for you, oil, another picture. Let's just get practical today. How can you express or what steps could you take this morning uh, to have willingness to yield to the Holy Spirit like Jesus did, uh, willingness to yield to the Holy Spirit's work as the disciples did in the New Testament, willing to yield your life like so many believers before us uh, and many people in this room have experienced this gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, how can you do that? In other words, we need to bend to the wind of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna look at that in a moment. Number one, uh, you express a willingness uh, to, to yield by, uh, remove the barriers. This is something, if you're taking notes today and it's in your notes, remove the barriers that keep me from all that God has for me. Remove the barriers that keep me from having all that God has for me. Let me talk about a couple of those barriers. From time to time, I get to do a wedding and it's fun and uh, if we have an in-house wedding, it's a little bit different than uh, somebody maybe maybe attends harvest, but a lot of the extended family doesn't, and they're not accustomed uh, to our church or this church format, or you know they came from a different church background or, or whatever the case might be, and or no church background, which was um, something something that happened uh, recently, and but it's happened over the years, and 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 typically uh, either. Uh, if somebody is doing something in the wedding, or the photographers, or in this case, the musicians, um, and I'm debriefing because they weren't at the rehearsal, and they just come for the day of the wedding, and I debrief the ceremony with them. This is how it's going to go. And they want to know that, and we want to be comfortable, and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And inevitably, I'll get asked the question, is there anything out of the ordinary that's going to happen in today's ceremony? which is code for, we're not familiar with how you do this, and should we know about anything, which is, I always play the advocate and just have fun at that moment. And I'll just, as serious as a hard jack, I'll just say something like, 
Well, I'm not sure, you know, out there. No, I don't think so. Like right after the vows, we do the snake handling. And uh, the snakes come out, and we just kind of do some of that. And then we do the animal sacrifice right after I, uh, just before I pronounce the man and wife. And they don't laugh right away. And I just stand and look at them, and they're like, oh, you're, you're kidding, aren't you? Well, yes, of course I am. But I tell that story, and I do it to them because people have preconceived ideas about a church that welcomes the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, and uh, traditionally uh, churches that have, you know, that kind of understand that, uh, the Pentecostal, kind of the turn of the century, 1900s, and then into the 1960s, charismatic, and, uh, and as time has gone on, everything kind of in between. And so uh, we don't label ourselves as a church. People say, what kind of church is this? The kind that loves Jesus. And we just, because we don't want to be pigeonholed because sometimes, unfortunately, there's been bad branding about how the Holy Spirit works and what he does. And there's been some bad branding that has led people to think, this is weird, this is crazy, this is out of the ordinary. I can promise you that the Holy Spirit isn't weird, but people are weird. But I can promise you he's out of the ordinary. And so we walk in a life that understands if you want to be yielded, you may have to remove the barrier of something you've been told or something you thought about the Holy Spirit or life in the Holy Spirit. And for some, it might be even a church background with a teaching that declared emphatically that this wasn't for today. And in our worship service and why spirit-filled worship is so important at Harvest, and we're going to be reminded on Thanksgiving, and for some, maybe uh, you'll participate. You've never really, what we say, enter into worship, experience worship. You go, this, the music's really good. I really like the energy. I'm going to invite you to jump into the river worship and experience it, because once you have, there's no turning back. And, and when you enter in and experience that, the reason we want Spirit-filled worship is so that people can come in and experience the Holy Spirit in the room and realize he's not weird. He's awesome. Where, where do I, how do I yield my life? But for many, it's going to be removing the barrier that it's, you know, holy roller, swing from the chandelier. I don't want no ghost in my life. And to open up and realize that's not what the scriptures are teaching. This is, it is for today. That's why I've been tedious to take three weeks to say it really is, and we've, we've really shown that from the Scriptures, I believe. We tend to avoid what we're afraid of or what we don't understand. We all do that. And so we've taken some time to show you from Scriptures uh, so that you can not, you know, you face this not with fear, but as James says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights of heaven. So as consistent as the sun and the stars are, even more consistent is the creator of those things. There's no changing in him, no shadows. He's a good God that gives good gifts always. Say always. Always. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, as he's talking in Acts chapter 2. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one that we just said don't reject. So we're born again, but then you can have the gift. The promise is for you and all your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. 
So anybody that hears the call of God, and God calls to everybody, everybody who hears the call of God, I love you, uh, will you receive my forgiveness? Yes, Father, is a candidate to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Number two, ask God to give me all that he has for me. Ask, this is a risky prayer, because he will. Ask God to give me all that he has for me, because all that we have is not all that God has. I want to be more than me. Anyone else in the room today? I want to be more than me. I'm tired personally of trying so hard. And this performer slips back into the law way too easy. And I'm like trying to earn my salvation, trying to get good grades with God, trying to do my very best. And God just says, would you knock it off? You can't do it. You've received by grace. Now live a spirit-empowered life in grace. Amen? All right. There is more. I want to just finish this morning with the river that we looked at, the picture, the prophetic picture that Ezekiel saw. We introduced it last week. And uh, it was uh, a man, Ezekiel, who's crossing a river. And the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, big, big, giant tape measure. And he measured off a thousand cubits, and he led me through water that was ankle deep. So they're walking together, this angel and the prophet are walking together, splashing in the water. He's in the river. Say in. You're in the river. When you have said, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. I want to be a disciple. I want eternal life. I want my sins forgiven. I want a relationship with Jesus. You're in. Say it again. I'm in. If you're not in this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to get in. <laughs> Start walking with Jesus. Start walking and experience what it is that, uh, that when he gives us eternal life. The man was eastward, ankle deep. You're in. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. If you've ever been in water and you're now knee deep and uh, you're heading out, um, sorry, but I can't just help right now thinking, you know, I'm down in the ocean somewhere in Cuba or Mexico or I'm just going to, could you just let me have a moment, get lost for a second? I'm just out in the ocean. Oh, it's warm today. I'm going to Chris, will you go get my snorkel and my mask? I, <laughs> I've lost everybody. But you're knee deep. And I want you just to kind of, I wanted you to picture how you feel the water when you're knee deep. It started to affect your walk. It's starting, you're kind of excited. I want to I wanna get a little deeper. I, 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 it's, mm, it's warm. This is, this is good. I'm enjoying it. This is awesome. And he measured off another thousand. He led me through water that was up to the waist. Now, here's what happens when your water is up to the waist. This is where most of us is, we're enjoying it. We're there, but the kids are splashing, and you're going, because you're not quite in yet, Right? You're not quite in yet. I mean, you're in, but you're not all the way in yet. You're in that place. You're in, but you're not in. You're in, but you're not quite all the way in. And the splashes are kind of, it kind of irritates a little bit. Somebody else is like, woo, you just got to get in, get used to it, praise the Lord, this is awesome. They're going, oh, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know. And you're up to your ways, right? They're splashing, and you're it's cold. Ah. And you're not sure if you're going to back out a little bit or you're right there. And this is where you kind of set your will and you're there and you put your feet down in the sand and you have a decision to make at waist deep. Am I going deeper? Staying where I am is kind of irritating me, all these other swimmers. All these other swimmers. I don't know. And you're... 
And you have a decision to make at that moment. Measured off another thousand cubits, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river no one could cross, an endless, eternal river. It's swarming with living creatures that live wherever that river flows. And there were large numbers of fish because this water there makes the salt water fresh so that the river flows everything lives. Not only do you experience the life of the Holy Spirit when you go all in, but God begins to use your life to do the greater things than Jesus did. And it's, it's I'm more than me. It has nothing to do with me, but everything to do with a yielded life so another can touch the river. Number three, and we're going to end with this. I want to encourage you as you are saying, yes, I want to be connected to the source. I, I, I want more. Then develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. In your prayer life, we started last week, come Holy Spirit. It was so good just to even preach that last week. I found myself each morning as I got up just starting with, come Holy Spirit. I had a big day. I have so many things. I need to be more than me. I need you today. Come Holy Spirit. Develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit, because Jesus said he would send another, a comforter, a friend, an advocate. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Would you stand with me this morning? The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, who came and died for us and gave us the gift of salvation. He died in our place. He had eternal life. He was a man. Only a man could pay the price for another man. Jesus came as a man because you and I, we can, you can do all the good work. of our master, Jesus Christ. Today I want to ask if there's anyone in the room that has never received the gift of salvation, eternal life, that opens the door to a life that you can't even imagine. The Bible says we can't imagine it, can't dream about it, can't even pray to understand. It's just we begin to walk in it and experience it. The extravagant love, which is... It is. that This is really is the most important step because it's the first step to a spirit-filled life. You can't have everything I'm talking about today until you take this very first step of receiving what I don't deserve. The mercy of God. I deserve punishment and the wrath of God. Someone here today, you might think God's angry at you. And that's why you're trying to do good stuff. God's not angry. He put his anger on Christ. It's been fulfilled. Satisfied. He's waiting for you today to turn to receive amazing grace, 
extravagant love, and you step into intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, and you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'm going to count down from five just to give us a sense of when. When I get to one, I would just ask that you'd raise your hand today. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I I want to receive this grace you're talking about, this love and forgiveness. I want to lead you in a prayer today. We believe as you, from your heart, pray this prayer. It's the invitation for God to say, yes, I'm coming. And he never says no. So in five, four, three, this is for you today. That's why you came today. Two and one. Would you raise your hand so I can see? Is there anyone in the room to receive Jesus today? I don't see any hands today, but I want to pray this prayer just before we uh, transition uh, into worship, the amazing grace of the master. Would you let me do that? Just if you're comfortable, hold your hands up as if you're receiving something from heaven, because you are. Father, I pray today that the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, would be known more than we've ever known it before. Lord, that we, our minds could comprehend grace. Lord, I pray right now that extravagant love, how much the father is for us and not against us, And these would be days at harvest, individually and corporately, that we would know that we have an intimate, intimate, intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's just worship before we're dismissed today. Pour your spirit out. 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 Let all the redeem. And let all the redeem. Prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing.
it's always hard to end these services, but thank you so much for coming today. We love you. Have an awesome week.